0: to thank you this morning that we can gather that we can worship the name of Jesus freely and openly and more importantly Jesus that you come and minister to us that you move on our hearts you help us to grow you provide for us the word of God that allows us to study the person of God so we can become more like God what a crazy thing so we just pray that our hearts would be ready before you that that you would even right now as I'm praying start to prepare hearts to receive what you have for each person every one of us in the room can be touched by you today and I pray in fact that that happens so Holy Spirit come right now minister wholeness and life be a blessing to us as we're a blessing to you we pray this in Jesus name, amen amen well as you all know we're in a series called established in the word because I really just had this conviction that not only did I want to teach you about the Bible but I wanted to teach you some of my own journey and discovering who God is and how he he moves with us because God is powerful amen he's powerful and, and he's given us his word so that we can discover him now we've talked about that the Bible is theonuma, which means God breathed that it's literally the voice or, or the connection from God to us we talked about Jesus being literally the communication of God yeah. in the beginning was the word the logos the, the voice the communication of God last week we talked some about having a biblical worldview And I love y'all. I beat you up a little last week, didn't I? I had a few people go, ooh, Pastor, you was preaching. I was like, yeah, I wasn't trying to beat anybody up. Listen, I'm just trying to wake you up. There's a pathway to living with God that is whole and healthy and good and vibrant and full of life. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about this, the healing word. And and in our lives, man, we all value stuff. How many of you guys value things? Like, I was just doing some surveying. I was reading online, like, what do people value? And like, probably the number one thing was time. People said, I value time. And other people said, I value character. Some people said, I value my career. My family was really high on the list. I think it was primarily second to time is the only other one that I saw higher. And so people value stuff. But in our economy, in the way that we live as believers, what is our highest value? Money. But should it be? No. <laughs> See, I'm just saying that, listen, I'm just laying the the playing field. It's level, isn't it? That even though we're believers, we still struggle with all the same things that everybody out there struggles with. We want good families. We want plenty of time. We want to provide for our kids. We want our kids to do well in life. We want homes. We want cars. We want our wives to be cute or our husbands to be handsome. We want all of those things. (laughs) By the way, those are normal wants, aren't they? Some of y'all know I'm playing. I was going to pick on you. I'm just playing. No, let's not go there. Let Let me stay focused. So we all want stuff, and our values should be determined by what God values. And Jesus already summarized it for us, and he said the highest values in your life should be this. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there was this idea that love for God, of him and each other, is the highest value for him. So I was just considering all this and I was looking, I was thinking like, how does the word of God, like the actual Bible, how does this play into how we do things? God, why did you give it to us? I just started asking questions. Like, why is it, why, why is like, can I pick on you for just a second? This is actually a really nice message, but I'm gonna pick on you for a second. We have this available to us. Like I'm an old school guy, I hold a book. You young people, you'll pick up your phone and say, I got it, you version you know some of you guys read it on technology some of you listen you listen to the Bible read to you all that kind of stuff like I remember in the day you had to buy it on CDs actually they actually used to have it on cassettes and you would have a grip of cassettes like it took like 200 of them to listen to the Bible maybe not that many but you know there's a lot now you just podcast it you can listen to the Bible while you're driving to work all that sort of stuff it's just way way different today but why is this book so valuable and what is it that God is trying to communicate to us within this book? And so I just started thinking, and the, the, the passion of my heart in this particular message was to talk about how the Word of God heals us. Now, I, I'm gonna take you through what is a pretty specific study, and I'm gonna tell you ahead of time. We're gonna open the altar at the end of this, and we're gonna pray for healing. But I'm gonna explain to you what I think the Bible says about healing before we do that. So some of you come in the room, you think, I don't need no healing. By the time we're done, you might think differently. I can actually, let me say this differently. I can assure you, you're going to think differently. Because we always think this, healing means I got a broken knee, a busted shoulder. I got bad kidneys, a bad heart, whatever. Those are true. Those things are healing. I'm going to show you some other stuff about healing that I think will be powerful for you. And I want to do it via means of the word, because the way that I grew up as a Christian was memorize the Bible, learn it, read it, devour it because it's life to you it's healing to your bones. Yeah, yeah. So this is what it says in the psalm. Psalm 107:20 it says this that he sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. So he sent his word and he healed them, he delivered them. Now remember last week we talked about the word in the Hebrew that it's the word "debar." it's the same word that was used for the 10 commandments. So when we talk about the 10 commandments, commandments is a bad translation. It's actually the 10 communications of God is really how it should be read. It's the words of God that he gave to us. This word here in the Hebrew in Psalm 107, he sent his word, his debar, his voice, if you will, and he healed them. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard the term Jehovah Rapha? So you've been around a while like that's kind of an old-school Pentecostal thing but one of my good friends Pastor Dave Collins he said man one of the most powerful classes I teach is I teach people how to pray the names of God over themselves yeah. Joe you, you're in need Jehovah Jireh my provider God I pray your name because God said his name is nature connected right yeah. so he said the whoever I am I'm the resourcer so when you say this Jehovah Rapha I'm the God that heals God mend me be Jehovah. You don't have to use the weird word. Something like Jehovah Raph. I don't talk like that. Just say, God, I'm here. You're a healer. I want that. Amen? Hello? You guys awake? That's, that's part of this, this saying that, that he's Jehovah or This means to heal, that he's the healer. And healing caused. listen, by divine intervention, it's not like, hey, my body got better because God created me with an immune system. It's more like this. I needed help from God and he fixed me. Anybody ever been fixed in a moment by God? I have. It's powerful when God touches you supernaturally. And sometimes we get into this and we think, man, that's kind of weird. I don't know. But but, listen, it also says this, that he delivered us. This means that we were able to slip away and escape. Anybody ever had God give you a way to slip away and escape? See, but but I'm, I'm trying to make a connection for you. His word is actually what shows you that. So this is some of what I talked about last week, that when you know the word, you'll know what God thinks about stuff. You'll know what he thinks about money. You'll know what he thinks about marriage. you know what he thinks about raising kids. Like, I was talking to one guy, and this guy said, I'm not going to spank my kids because love doesn't punish. And I went, you, I, I swear to God, I said, oh, I just swear to God, oh, pardon me, Jesus, I'm sorry. I swear to goodness, I said this to him, do you have any kids? He said, nope. I said, <laughs> you'll change your mind because you're going to raise a rebel is what you're going to do because the Bible says this if you spare the rod you spoil the child you be it even goes so far as to this beat him on the back it won't kill him if you, you got to do it now listen I know all kids respond I'm not suggesting abuse people get weird with me when I do this I'm being funny but I do know this you don't discipline your kids you're going to raise a rebel so that's that's applying the word of God now you're disciplined like I've only spanked one of my three kids. I've only needed to spank one of them. Which one do you guys think it was? Mindful. Hey, you guys are right. <laughs> my other two, all I had to do is look at them mean. I just look at them like, really? And they're like, oh, no, daddy. Never even came close to whopping them. Never needed to. So, so listen, I'm not saying whoop your kids. I'm saying this, discipline them. The Bible teaches that you should. That's why the word of God is so powerful. It actually says what to do. And it says that he spared you from destruction, which literally means to fall into a pit. So this is what the word of God does. It, it will provide for you. So can it heal? And if it does heal, what does it heal? Your heart. Your heart? That's a good answer. What else might it heal? Your mind. What else might it heal? Your your soul, your body. Like God is a a healer. God says of Himself, I'm the God who heals you. I'm your great physician. So this idea of healing shouldn't really be all that foreign. And the way that God communicates that to us is he communicates it through his word. His word is healing to us. It reframes the way we do life, the way we think, the way we behave. I mean, there are things I used to do when I was not a believer that once I became one and I looked at the word of God, I went, wow, God doesn't value that. I need to change this. This happened to anybody else in the room? Yeah, you, you start to learn the Bible. All your hands should have gone up. That saddens me. Does this happen to anybody else in the room? Okay, there we go. That's a little better. I was like, really? No one, reads, no one reads your Bible. Watch, I'm going to show you something. Okay. Americans like stuff to be proved to them, right? How many of you guys are American in the room? Maybe you're second. Maybe you moved here. Americans like proof. We're Western thinkers. We like proof. So, so watch. Proof. Oh, I like it. I like it. Here goes the challenge. You ready? Okay, so this is an actual... Survey. This is not Pastor James's opinion. Actual survey on the Bible. But I want to ask you a question. If I said this to you, there was a way to change your life dramatically, dramatically, would you do it? Yes. You sure? Yes. You're Annie and in right now. I'm setting you up. I'm just telling you. If there was a way to change your life dramatically, would you do it right now? Yeah. Yeah. If it was God's will. If it was God's will. I like it. Somebody threw God in there. That I like it. Now watch. Listen. Your Bible, how important is your Bible? There was a survey done. They surveyed 40,000 people from the ages eight to 80. So little kids all the way up to people who've lived a full life. Big range of people, 40,000 of them. And they surveyed, do you read the Bible? And if you do, how often? Now when they did this, they didn't expect to have the findings that I'm gonna present to you right now. The data is what proved the findings. Okay, so if you read your Bible one time a week, this would be the equivalent of what you're doing right now. I come to church, so the Bible's either being read to me or I read the Bible one time a week. Do you think it changes your life? The studies showed that if you do it once a week, it's negligible. You cannot notice it. Okay, so what if you did it Sunday and some of you are like, I'm all Jesus. Yeah, Come on, Wednesday's too, Pastor. Okay, so two times a week. Come on, I come two times a week. I go to the morning study. I go to the evening study for the men or the women. What What do you think? Two times a week. Is there any change? No, negligible. They didn't notice a de- thing different in the person's life, lifestyle, Christian behavior. None of it. No notice at all. Two times a week. What about three times a week? You think it showed any difference? a little bit. Little teeny blip. Little blip. Little blip. But watch this. Once they hit four times a week, it was kind of like, it went like this. Flat line, flat line, four times a week. Wow. Now watch, real statistics. You guys want real statistics? Yes, yes. Remember, I challenge you, if you could do something that would change your life, would you do it right now? Four times a week, yes, yes. four times, watch, watch. This is what it found. Feelings of being lonely. How many of you have ever felt lonely? Dropped 40% four times a week. Oh, this isn't even good yet. I haven't even got to the good stuff. Okay? Bitterness and anger drop 32%. Have anger problems? By the way, your pastor's hands up. I got anger problems. I'm an eight. I'm a challenger. That's driven by anger. Listen, but I tell you what, the word of God tempers me, and it tempers you too. Anger and bitterness, it'll drop 32%. If if you have bitterness in relationships, within your relationships, it drops 40%. So what if I said to you, husbands and wives, you would argue 40% less if you read your Bible together? that Would that be awesome? Oh man, that'd be good. That means in, four out of every 10 days, you wouldn't argue at all. Wow. That's what that would look like. That's a real percentage. So, so 40% lower. How about this? Struggling with alcoholism drops 57%. Wow. 57, four days a week. That's all, four days a week. Feeling spiritually stagnant. How many of you feel spiritually? To Be honest. How many of you feel spiritually stagnant right now? Be honest. Lift your hand. There's no crime in being honest. That's called confession. Spiritually stagnant. There's more of you. You can't tell me all you guys are okay with Jesus right now. I'm just saying. But but listen, spiritually stagnant, four days a week, 60% changed just by reading their Bible. They felt more in tune, more connected, more dialed in. I mean, come on, church. When you read your Bible, you ever had God talk to you about a situation you're in? Watch. Watch. Watch, you ever come to church and I preach something, you're like, Pastor, did somebody tell on me? I have this happen all the time. Did my wife talk to you? I'm like, heck no, your wife didn't say nothing to me. Nothing. 60%. Viewing pornography. By the way, male and female. I always thought it was a male problem. It ain't only a male problem. I love you ladies. Some of y'all struggle with this stuff. This went down, listen, 61%. 61%. Just by reading the Bible four times a week. Four times a week. Watch, watch. That's all the stuff that's negative in your life that changed. What about if there were some positive stuff that changed too? Because there's positive stuff. Your willingness to evangelize by reading your Bible four times a week went up 200%. Oh, that's like crazy. That means you're comfortable talking to people about Jesus because you're reading the word and you actually know who he is. Amen. You're not like, ooh, don't want to step on no toes, don't want to offend nobody. You know, you're like, hey, I was reading my Bible this morning. Check it out. And you're leading people to Jesus just by your lifestyle. Watch. The willingness of believers to mentor, disciple other believers went up 251%. Real survey now listen can I tell you guys I'm your pastor my job is to disciple you start reading your Bibles and we'll make such a dent in this community it would be ridiculous wow. be ridiculous like we all go this you can clap I just go do it don't clap go read your Bible four times a week four times a week listen set up your Bible app so that it shows up on your phone and reminds you you don't even have to go find it it'll tell you read these chapters with technology no excuse there's no excuse to not be reading with all of the commentary and information to help you understand no excuse I love you guys say pastor loves me stop being lazy stop being lazy. that that's the excuse that's the only reason we want to call our friends instead of calling Jesus listen you want your life to change Call Jesus, then tell your friends what Jesus showed you. It'll change them too. That's the truth. I'm telling you the truth right now. Don't go to people. I'm not saying people aren't good. Please understand, you should be in the word going to God regularly. Listen, he said, four times a week, seven, try seven. It'll change your life inside out. That's a real survey. Can you believe that? Does his word heal? Again, I'm going to ask you, if I gave you a way to change your entire life would you do it? Yes. Yes. Start reading your Bible. and you'll be shocked at what God'll do in your life. Now watch, watch, let's do this positively. For those of you who read your Bibles regularly, has it changed you? Oh my gosh. I'm a completely different guy than who I used to be. And some of you are like, "Oh, you're a pastor. No, no, no. Not talking about when I study to preach, I'm talking about when I sit down and say, "God show me." God, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to go there? Do you want me to buy this car, this house? Do you want me to do this for my kids? Should my kids be in that? God, what school should they go to? How's, all of those questions. Bring them all to God. God, give me wisdom. God, could you fix my wife, please? No, I don't plan on it. <laughs> and, and you know what he says every time I do that? I need, I need to talk to you, son, because you're the one who needs fixing. Amen? She's perfect. You're the mess. Anyways, okay. So, But in all seriousness, read your what? Read your Bible, because... Because that is actually what will change. You know what's awesome? We do surveys to discover what God has already told us. Isn't it true? Watch. 2 Timothy 3.16. I've already taught this, but for a quick review. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. Say profitable. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, so that the man or the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. See, listen. This scripture says this. If you go to it, I'll teach you about money, I'll teach you about marriage, I'll teach you about parenting, I'll teach you about career choices, I'll teach you about how to manage your morality, what you should do with your sexuality, whether you should stay married or get divorced. I mean, the Bible talks about it, all of it. Every single thing, I just every issue that you have in life, the Bible addresses it. And if you do it God's way, it'll radically change. Now, listen, listen. Divorce has dropped a little bit in the church. This is good news. But do you know that if, when they do studies of marriages that are struggling, this is so crazy to me, and they decided not to divorce, five years later, they show that they're absolutely happy that they weren't sure why they even thought about divorce five years ago. Wow. By the way, God said, stick it out. He did say that. It's so important. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. The word of God will teach us this stuff. See the Bible teaches us about righteousness How to be in right standing With God How many of you guys want to be in right standing with God I think all of us Like, There's a day coming we're all going to stand before God Every one of us And we're going to give an account for our lives Now listen This is not a go to hell go to heaven discussion If you're a believer you're going where Heaven Heaven. If you're not a believer You're not going to heaven Let me say that again No one in American culture preaches hell anymore. I'm not going to preach hell to you this morning. But if you don't trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not going to heaven. You're not. I'm going to show you healing in in a second, and I'll explain what I just said to you. But Jesus said there's only one way. Narrow is the gate that leads to righteousness. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. There is a way, he said, and he's the way, the truth, the life. Remember, we talked about that some last week as well. See, all of these things are captured in the scriptures. See, when we look at the results of the survey, we quickly are face-to-face with this, God is powerful. When you think, man, listen, if I said to the guys, if I got all the guys in a private situation and I said to them, do you watch pornography at all? Do you ever struggle? And they were like, yeah, oh, once in a while I do. Pastor, I'm gripped by it. I watch it every day. Trust I hear stuff all the time. People come to me. If I said to them, you could get free if you just spent time in the word instead of in the... In the whatever you could get free if they did it they would get what free Free. because when you see this stuff you come face to face listen with the power of God that's what happens and in Hebrews it goes on to talk about the word of God it says for the word of God is living and active it's alive it's vibrant is what that means sharper than any two-edged sword say the word is sharp it's the word is sharp you ever read it and it kind of cuts through the stuff you're dealing with watch is that a bad thing or is that a good thing that's a wonderful thing but watch what is it sharp with listen says it pierces as far as soul and spirit joints and marrow and it's able to judge the thoughts the intentions of the heart see the word will separate our spirit from our soul which is your mind your will and your emotions from our body as well it'll separate those three and it will help you to discern what it is that's driving your motivation what it is that's driving the anger, the lust, the envy. The word of God will get in there and help you discern why it is you're seeking for something. Watch. Other than God to fill that gap. Does this make sense, church? Yeah. This is just simply by reading your Bible. I tell people this all the time. Get your Bible. Read a chapter a day. I want Like I've said this to people. So, so Get the gospel of John. Read a chapter a day. I think there's 21 chapters, 22 chapters of John. Don't remember off the top of my head. Read a chapter a day. It's not, it won't even take you a whole month. And tell me if your life's any different when you're done. Go into the Psalms. Read a Psalm a day. Tell me if your life's any. Go, go to the Proverbs. There's actually 31 of those. Read one a day for the days of the month. And tell me if you don't come out the other side a little wiser. Because it's a book of wisdom. It'll teach you. Watch. It'll... The Proverbs will teach you stuff like this. Don't be in debt. Our, our, our government should listen to this. huh? Don't be in debt. Don't be in debt. And for those of you who know, because we just did financial peace, you work your way out of debt and all of a sudden you have some breathing room. But the Bible says this, that the borrower is slave to the lender. You ever been in debt? I have. I've had, like, there was one point in my life we had like $30,000 of unsecured debt. That's a lot. Some of you are like, well, I have more than that. Yeah, that's bad. We managed to pay it all off, took, took a lot of hard work, but we had a lot. And this is what I knew every month. The bill had come and I think, dang, there goes 800 bucks. And all I did was pay the minimum payment. I know I'm talking to some of you. You know the Bible will teach you don't do that. Like practical life stuff. That's what I'm talking about. See, the Word is alive. It's able to do this stuff in us that, that is just wildly different. So, so when we're talking about the Word of God and how it heals, you know, when I became a Christian, um, and I started to discover God, and and like like tell me if this happened for any of you. When I became a Christian. And I started to think about God, like, does God heal? Like, that never really was in question for me. Like, I just figured if there's a God, he's got to be powerfully enough to fix things. Anybody else think that? You know, and it wasn't until I actually started to get into Christian circles that I started to get some of the tension around this discussion. Like I, I went into one group, one group's like, oh, name it and claim it, brother. Jesus going to heal your knee. I remember I blew my knee out, and the guy, one guy prayed for me, prayed for my knee, and he said, you know, heal his his knee in Jesus' name. He goes, get up and walk. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, the, the ACL's torn. I can't do that. And he said, you don't have enough faith. That's why God didn't heal him. I'm like, oh, heck no. I, I like seriously. I wanted to knock the guy out. I seriously, and I love him. He's a friend. But I was like, dude, this because I learned in that season, this was not a journey of God healing something. That's not what God is showing me. What God was showing me is I'll provide for you when you can't. I mean, I remember money showing up from nowhere, groceries showing up from nowhere. I mean, Michael Nadler's in the back row. You remember this. I was on crutches because he would take me to lunch because I couldn't afford to take myself to lunch. I mean, this, this is like, this is real life. But God was teaching me, will you let other people help you? Yeah. I wouldn't let anybody help me. I was so proud, heck, no. If we're going to lunch and anybody's buying, it's me. Today, y'all want to take me to lunch? I'll let you. I have no problem. You can bless me. I'll let you bless me. (laughs) You know, part of the cycle of life. I'll bless someone else back. It's all good. But that's what God was teaching me. So I was in this circle of people who said, God heals everything. Then I went to this other circle, and they said this, well, God will heal you if it's his will. I went, and I remember thinking this, why would it not be God's will to heal me? I mean like I'm a dad and when my kids need something I'll flip over backwards to get them what they need because I'm their dad so if he's my dad could he be sitting there going yeah it's not my will to help you out this time son you're on your own (laughs) yeah it's illogical isn't it none of us think of God that way and then I got into this other group and they're like oh no that stuff doesn't happen at all anymore and people who believe that they're scary they're wild they're weird That was only get the church started. No one does that anymore. And this is what I remember thinking, that can't be right. And they'd have arguments, and they would pull up the Bible, and they would pull out a word, and they would start arguing with one word in a text to try to prove their point. And I'm like, heck, man, most of the people that were around in the Bible times, they didn't read or write. They were illiterate. So you're telling me the only way I'd understand God is if I was well-educated and I could read Greek? No, I'm being 100%. This is, I was smart enough to think this. And I went, that can't be right. So I'll just tell on myself now, I'm a weirdo today. So in that category of stuff, I'm a weirdo. I am definitely the guy who believes God heals. I'm definitely out. Have I prayed for people and seen them get healed? I have. Some of you have as well. I've also prayed for people and nothing. But watch, I, th- this happens to me more than anything else. Me personally. This is me personally. I pray for people God has given me anointing to heal hearts. He has, and like people are saying, yeah, because they know me. They'll come to me and say, Pastor, I got this thing going on. Can you pray for my knee? Can you pray for my hip? My shoulder's all out of whack. Can you pray for me? I start praying for him, and God starts talking to me about how crazy. It's all gushy, like like I'm kind of a manly man, and God's like, oh, he loves you so much. They're they're crawling like booger snot. That's why there's Kleenex everywhere. (laughs) Look around the church. There's Kleenex everywhere. You know why there's Kleenex everywhere? Because we're a church that ministers. Yep. And we believe that God heals. And sometimes he'll heal your physical body. Sometimes he'll heal your heart. Yeah. See, but this, so, so I wanted to bring this thought to you, and then we're going to go into a time of ministry. And, and I need to start moving because we had a lot of stuff in the service today. But, but can God heal? Does God heal? Let's just talk about a few scriptures. The word of God. I already gave you the one. He sent his word to heal us. In Matthew 8, you have the Roman centurion who understood Jesus. And he sees a man in authority. My, my servant, he's paralyzed, and he's tormented by spirits. In other words, it's bad. And, and this is what the, the, the centurion says to Jesus. Matthew 8.8, 8, he said, Lord, I'm not worried that you come under my roof, but watch. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. He knew that if Jesus could speak healing, that it would change the circumstances. Listen, you all should know that too, by the way. Jesus starts to speak, it changes what's going on changes circumstances how about this serving God brings release and healing in Exodus it says you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless you with bread and water and it says this of God and I will remove sickness from your midst ever been sick sometimes you start to honor God you start to serve I have people say as soon as I get better pastor I'll start doing something this is what I say start doing something and you'll get better I just know this to be true because the word of God says it. You start to give your life away, God starts to mend you. This happened to anybody in the room, by the way? Any people come to me like, man, I don't know, I'm not far enough along, Pastor. This is what I think. You're far enough along. Put your hand to it, let God grow you. That's part of the journey. Just let him develop in you. He'll he'll be powerful. It'll mend you, it'll heal you, it'll give you purpose. So, so powerful. When he says that he'll he and I will remove sickness, it means to turn away sickness, to take it away. How about this? Blessing God brings healing. You know that when you bless God, it'll bring healing to you. Watch. Like like I said, Bible. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Don't forget any of his what? That means that that, that blessing God brings what? Benefits. Watch. These are the benefits. He pardons your iniquities and he heals your diseases. Anybody ever been pardoned by God? Ever came in dirty and walked out feeling accepted? Whoo, that's good stuff. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Another one says, and all that is within me bless his holy name. There's so many scriptures that speak to this. I'm just touching a few of them. See, his pardon forgives and it provides your healing. You bless him. Listen, sometimes you bless him before you get it. Sometimes you bless him because you already got it. Either way, if you bless him, you stay in the cycle of his possibility and of his power. Does this make sense, church? Like, this is so simple. What does it look like? That would mean this. Like, I get up in the morning, I'm like, whoo, got a crazy day. Got to deal with this person, that person. I'm busy. God, I want to bless you that I'm awake. Hello. Thank you for giving me breath. God, thank you for giving me the strength and the courage to face today. Give me wisdom with that person. Give me wisdom. I need your wisdom, God. I need your help. The word says, when I lack wisdom, if I ask, you'll give it liberally. I need help. Can you give me smarts? I need to be smart. I need to do it your way today, God. That's how the prayer looks. It's not a, oh, Jesus and your holy mighty name. You can pray it that way if you want. I just talk to God. I need your help today, God. I need your presence today, God. I need you to change my heart in this thing, God. I kind of want to be mad about this, God. Should I be mad? Because you know, there's sometimes there's righteous anger, and there's sometimes there's just anger. You know what I'm talking about? And God will sometimes line you up and you'll say, No, no. You should be mad about that. It's injustice. You should say something. This one, no, you need to leave that alone. You got, I got some work to do on you, son. You guys get what I'm saying? You got to listen to God. You got to seek what he's saying. So blessing him will bring healing. Jesus' sacrifice brings healing. This is Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced through for our transgressions. So he was pierced, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell on him. And by his scourging were what? Heal, we get healing because of what Jesus went through, a pierced, crushed, chastened. We get healed. So, what does it heal? That's a great question. What does God heal? Everything. Everything. Oh, that's a good answer. Watch, look what it says in First Thessalonians 5:23. It says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely." By the way, "sanctify" is just a, a religious word to say "set you apart." May you be set apart unto God. How many of you guys want to be set apart under God? Amen. That's all it is. May He sanctify you completely. All aspects of your being set apart to God. He said, May He sanctify you entirely. May your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved complete without playing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. See, Jesus heals the whole man. You hear your spirit, you hear your soul. To hear your body. Now, hang with me. I'm going to go fast. These are important, but I'm just going to go fast. Jesus' word, Jesus word brings spiritual healing. Take Colossians 1.13 and 14. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. How many of you guys have been rescued from the domain of darkness? You're like, I was in the domain of darkness? Yes. You're not anymore, though. You're still in the realm of some darkness, but you're no longer controlled or in the domain of it. You now have authority over darkness. Some of you are like, I do? Yes, that is actually what the Bible teaches, that you have to do all you can do to fight. You've got to stand in the Lord. Some of you are like, man, Pastor, I can't stand. i getting beat up. He's whooping on me. He's on my tail. Then I'm like, well, then stop and use the word of God and tell him to get off your tail. I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm just telling you this is how it works. You can't act like a wimp if you're a believer. And listen, if you are too wimpy to do it, Go get somebody who ain't. I'm being straight up with you. Come tonight to the intercessory meeting and say, who's got the most authority in the room? Who's got it? Because I need prayer right now. Because the devil is hot on my tail. I need somebody to, to whoop on him for me in the name of Jesus. That's how you do it, you guys. You don't just kind of go, oh, yeah, there's a lot of things going wrong right now. Yeah, I know you're all all laughing because you've all said it. I just, I'm like, woo, this is a bad week. No, it's not. You just got to go to God let him turn it around. Yeah. See, a lot of this has to do with yeah. fighting. has to do with the spiritual battle. Yeah. It says he'll preserve you, spirit, soul, and body. So the first healing is this. It's spiritual. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. Transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption means he bought you back. He was the price yeah. Yeah. to buy you back. Forgiveness means to release from bondage or to set free anybody ever been set free by Jesus come on I've done some dumb things in my life you guys I'm talking dumb like epic dumb like dumb should be in jail dumb okay you have too. some of y'all I know your lives not all you guys are squeaky clean some of you all are like no I've always been a good boy pastor that's good I wasn't I should have been in jail and I wasn't I'm not trying to make it something I wasn't I'm just telling you the legit real I should have been busted And I didn't get busted because he set me free from the domain of darkness he released me the same way he's trying to do with some of you all right now so the first thing is salvation is the greatest form of spiritual healing God does this he connects his spirit to your spirit and now you're whole it's the starting place it's not the finish line listen that's what we get this so backwards as long as I go to heaven no let me help you Go to heaven, live victoriously, hey, and take a few people with you too. That's how the Bible is taught. That is how what it teaches us to do with our lives. Not just it's not just about us. Oh, I'm excited right now. I like this stuff. I do. No, I'm serious, because when we get this, if you start living out what I'm saying four times a week, taking opportunities when they stand sometimes they knock on your door. They're called Girl Scout cookies and stuff like that. No, I'm ser- God brings them to your door, man. You just gotta talk to them and buy a box of cookies because they're good. Amen. See Jesus's word; it'll heal your soul. It will. It says that it's living and it's active, sharp. It'll divide soul and spirit. So God rescues your spirit; He heals your spirit initially. Then He comes after you. He heals your soul. Now, what's your soul? It's what you think. It's the way you feel. It's the choices that you make this is the part of you that defines the outcome of your life the way you think the way you feel the choices that you make and God says I'll come heal those things you know how I know that's true because I remember standing in the circle I'm going way back I remember standing in the circle I've been set free from drugs all my buddies are passing a joint I remember grabbing it making a choice I don't need to do that no more I remember they handed me a beer and I went I don't need that anymore and I remember them trying to talk me into going to do things that I used to do without any conscience I don't do that anymore, and I don't need to do that anymore. I was now making a choice because God showed me the power of my own will. He did, you know. For the longest time, I used to think. How I many you guys think? You guys think. I mean, you guys have some stinking thinking, some bad thoughts. You know what I'm talking about? That thinking. You know, I, I think I think I was probably in my mid 20s before I realized I wasn't like a total ugly duckling. Actually, I. Was, before I realized I was handsome. <laughs> no, seriously, I had no idea that I wasn't an ugly kid. I, I really did, you guys. Oh no, no, it just meant I was shy and I was awkward, and I, I didn't. And then I remembered when I started to figure out that those were all the negative voices that I had bought into. And Jesus started to refine me, son. I chose you. Not only did I choose you, I made you powerful. I, I made you a victor. Actually, I made you a leader. And you're kind of cute, too, so don't worry about it. No, listen, I said this to my daughter in all sincerity. I said this to my daughter last night. My girls are beautiful. I think they're amazing. I I mean, they're my kids. I'm partial, but I think they're pretty, like pretty, like to the eyes. They're pretty. And I looked at her, and I said, honey, I don't care what you look like in your life. Don't ever let let this thought go from your mind, that you rock it. You're the best-looking person in the room. Amen. And she goes, Why? I said, Because I'm the best looking person in the room. And they all laughed. I'm not playing. They all laughed. I said, Because you have to have confidence in who God made you to be. That's what I'm actually saying. Took me a long time to change that thinking. I'll never be successful, I'll always struggle. This kind of stuff always happens to people like me. Oh, woe is me. This thing's so bad. That's what I used to do. And then I started to go, That's no, take every thought captive to the Lordship of Christ. Is that what Jesus thinks about me? No. Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what he thinks. Victor, that's what he thinks. Able. that's what he thinks. Strength, strong, not weak. Humble, that was a big one for me. Because, man, I was an athlete. I'm going to beat all of y'all. I don't care if you're six feet, I'm going to run you over. I couldn't do it, but I thought that. And then God said, I need you to be humble. I need you to honor other people. I need you to lift them up. I'm like, yeah, but if I lift them up, that makes me vulnerable. He goes, yeah, just like Jesus. See, man, you got to... I'm trying to help you all. You gotta figure some stuff out. That it's all about God. And God wants you to be fruitful and profitable and whole. Wants you to be whole. And some of those things like pride, there's no place for pride and wholeness. Just gotta know that. And God started to shift this stuff in me, this thinking, and and then he started to heal my emotions. How many of you guys were afraid of everything? Oh my gosh scared everything, sky's gonna fall, I'm gonna lose all my money, they're gonna take my house, they're gonna take my car, I'm gonna lose my job. And you just go, "Er, God's in control of me. God is in control of me. Yes, there are circumstances in life that are scary. Can I get an amen? They're scary. That doesn't mean you should be afraid. That means you should go in with the power of God. See, because Jesus is doing this. He's trying to heal the way you think, the choices you make, and the way that you feel. He doesn't want you to be, live gripped with depression, gripped with anxiety. I'm going to say something. I know this is going to step on toes. Say, Pastor loves me. Come on, he loves me. It's not your depression. It's from hell. Amen. It's not your anxiety. It's from hell. That doesn't mean, oh, it's from hell. I don't have to pay attention. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't, you're a believer. God says that he's put you at peace. Amen. My peace I give you. My peace I what? Leave you. I don't give peace as the world gives. You get what I'm saying? I know that's a battle. It's called a fight. That doesn't mean you're going to go, oh, well, Jesus said he gave me peace so I can ignore all this. No, you have to pray. You've got to invite. You've got to ask him to transform. You've got to ask him to shift. You've got to beg. You've got to get people next to you to help you. Because I know this. I I have lots of friends who struggle with what I just said. Anxiety, fear, depression, hopelessness. I, I have lots of them. And they'll come to me for prayer. And I'm like, hey, let's walk through this thing together. Nothing wrong with being afraid sometimes. Sometimes fear is actually healthy. It's actually healthy. You stand on a cliff. You go, that's like 60 feet. Wonder if the water's deep enough. That's a smart fear. You shouldn't jump. But sometimes fear is just something that grips us and stops us from moving forward with God. So I don't want you to own it like it belongs to you. Keep pressing into God. Listen, Melinda does a class for this stuff. Go to the class if you're struggling. That's why she said, are you sure you want me to do this class? I said, absolutely. Because some people will need others around them. They'll need a group to get victory. I understand that. Some of you are wired hard like me. You're like, "Forget, I'm not doing that. I'm just not afraid. And you go. Not everybody is wired like that. In fact, can I help you all? Look at me. Most of you are not wired like that most of you need help most of you need to listen and by the way the Bible teaches that you're like you're a lone ranger pass I'm not I've got an elder board around me you can talk to them I share my fear do I share my fears with you Caesar am I open and and I do it with you guys too? but open and vulnerable these guys are my accountability partners I share what's going on in my life with those guys and they pray for me the same way listen Bible not my opinion Bible two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor If one falls down, the other is there to help him. Woe to him who falls and there's no one there. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. A threefold cord, speaking of God, will not quickly be broken. You need people around you. God did not intend you to be a Lone Ranger. What I am saying is, though, don't own it like it's your identity. Your identity in Christ is free, empowered, delivered, forgiven. You get what I'm saying? Redeemed. You were bought back to something watch watch listen that takes healing it takes healing to get that like I said I'm the weirdo who believes in healing I think the first point of healing is your spirit you get connected to God get connected to God and he starts to mend you and make you secure that your destiny is not like undetermined it's with him in paradise forever that's a glorious thing The second part of healing, he'll he'll mend up your soul, your mind. He'll give you the power to make better decisions. He'll help you to get power over your emotions. You won't be gripped by everything, every wind that blows. And the last form of healing is this, that he heals your physical body. Now a lot of times, listen, we make that the first one. I made it the last, and I did that on purpose. Because I think this, the strongest form of healing is this, you Being connected to this idea that God is crazy about you that he loves you with an unrelenting love that no one can by any means snatch you out of the palm of his hand that he's powerful that he's able to save you to the uttermost even when you think you've gone too far it's too crazy I've done too much he's forgotten about me I've heard offered them all listen I've thought them all and this is what I know he gives you security in your person so you won't waver with everything that happens in life and he settles your thinking he settles your emotions that, that turmoil that happens he settles your ability to make better choices sometimes I hear people say well I was with them and I you know I just went with it you can say I don't have to go with it I don't have to do what they're doing because they're doing it I can actually choose what God would want me to do right now. And then the last one, which is not a small thing at any level, is that he physically heals bodies. He restores wholeness to hearts, to limbs, to kidneys, to feet. I oh, mean, I could go around the room. I, listen, I had somebody, I'm, I'm going to tell this, and then, and then we're actually, I'm going to invite Kevin, we're going to go to a time of prayer. I had somebody come to me for prayer one time, stage four cancer. That's scary stuff, by the way. It was a blood-borne cancer, so this is something that he said, the doctor told me to get my stuff in order that I won't, be along, I won't be around but a few months. I said, wow. I said, can we pray for you? He said, yeah, you can pray for me. And so we gathered people around. It wasn't just one prayer session. I probably prayed for the guy, oh, man, 10 different times. And One of the times we were praying for him it was just a couple of us around him. I don't ever do stuff like this, but this is one that God met, so that's why I'm telling The testimony is God's not mine I just got to watch we were praying for him and in the middle of the prayer we're praying for him and I hear the Lord say this to me you shall live and you shall not die now by the way if you're praying for somebody with stage 4 cancer thinks they're going to die you don't say that lightly I remember saying to God I'm not saying that I did I'm not saying that he said if you don't say what I say he can't receive what I'm doing And I said, okay, so you want me to speak? So I'm praying for the guy, and I said, you know, I'm going to take a risk. I just framed it all up. I said, if I'm wrong, I'm terribly sorry. That's what God has put in my heart. You shall live, and you shall not die. That was three years ago. He's still doing great. Wow. Still doing great. Listen, this is what I know. This is why I was willing to say it. Psalm 139, I've appointed you a number of days is what the scriptures say you know that no one can steal the number of days God gave you a number of days he gave it to you see and sometimes we've got to get settled that the word of God is actually true it's real Mm -hmm. and you can stand on it foundationally so I didn't minister to that guy like flippantly like whoo there's the dice I hope it works when I said it I said it with faith because I knew that God has a number of days and ain't no one stealing his life from him they're God's appointed days doesn't matter how afraid he is. But I do know this. You've got to grab a hold of those things in faith sometimes. Mm-hmm. You've got to believe that God is for you, not against you sometimes. Right. This makes sense, church. Is this yeah, yeah, like, yeah. is it helping you at all to understand mm-hmm. that God will work? Listen, sometimes you'll do it really like whack in the moment, just boom, fixed. I like that, by the way. It's fun, mm-hmm. especially if you're one of the guys who's part of it. You're like, whoo! look what God just did. That's so fun. I also know this. Some of them are journeys. They're called discipleship, where you walk with somebody, you mentor, you agree, you encourage, you pray, and you pray again, and then you pray again. And then they call you later, and you pray again, and you're a little frustrated that they didn't listen the third time, but you still pray because they're struggling. That's called walking with somebody. That's what it is. You're helping them take the journey of faith. So I'm not limiting what God can do whether he does it in a slow process or a fast one, but this is, this is what I'm gonna say. I think he wants to do it faster sometimes and we're just not willing to go there. I think, listen, let me say it as profoundly as what God put in my heart when I started to put this particular sermon together. He said, there's people in the room I wanna heal. They just have to say yes. I'm like, wow, you, you wanna do something powerful. He said, I do, I do. God, how do you wanna do it? Teach him how I heal. Teach him how I heal. Show them what the word says. Show them that I'm a healer. And then watch. Then invite Kevin and the team up to lead some worship. Put the ministry team up here and tell them if you need to get whole, get up here. I went, okay, I can do that. I can make them laugh a little, make them look at the scripture a little. And then I can say, hey, it's time now to come get what God has for you. So, Kevin, why don't you and the team come on up? And I'm going to lead you in a little bit of direction for just a few moments. But this is what I know in this room, in this room right now, some of you are really struggling with your physical body. Like you need healing. Can I get you guys to take the lights down, please? And I want you all to bow your heads. I'm I'm gonna move into this kind of quickly, so you just need to do it in faith with me. In this room I'm sure of this, that there's a number of you in the room that need physical healing. And, and that's not to say that you maybe have already gotten prayer. And I applaud that. Keep getting prayer. It's like the importunate widow. You keep going until God meets the need. That's what you do. You keep going after it until God meets the need. Whether he does it through a doctor, which is equally supernatural to me, by the way. Because he gave mankind the wisdom to be able to apply medical procedure to heal a body. But I also think this, sometimes it's a prayer. And he'll mend you and set you free. But just respectful of one another, heads bowed. How many people in the room need physical healing right now? Lift your hands. That's probably a third of you. That's a lot of people. So in a moment, I'm going to invite the ministry team. Those of you who raised your hand, I want to encourage you. Don't sit in the seats. Let them pray for you. That's how you get it. Some of you also, you're in the room, and this is how it goes through you. You're you're like, God is trying to mend your inner person, your soul. Some of you, the way that you think is so out of accord with what God thinks about you that you don't know what's right or wrong, good or bad. You have thoughts about yourself that are just horrendous. They're not scriptural. They're not biblical. They're not born out of love. They're not born out of acceptance. They're not born out of forgiveness or redemption. They're just thoughts, and they spin, and they spin you. If you've got a battle going on in your mind right now, again, heads bowed. You've got a battle going on in your mind, whether or not God is for you or whether he's forgotten you or it doesn't apply to you, I want you to lift your hand. You're struggling with the way you think, I want you to lift your hand. Number of hands going up. You know, can I just say something over you right now, those hands that went up? God didn't make a mistake with you. He doesn't make mistakes. He made you unique, you're different. that's not a bad thing. Sometimes we think different is bad. Different's not bad. It's the creativity of God. He can't make everybody intellectual or everybody crafty or, or everybody driven. We would kill each other. He wires us all differently so we can discover who we are in Christ and become all that he designed us to be. So I just pray right now that there's an anointing of healing going over the way you think and that the Spirit of God would give you the ability to capture those thoughts and not lean into them or lend to them. Some of you in the room, you're really struggling with fear, struggling with anxiety. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with hopelessness. And it grips you like you wake up worried. You go to bed worried. It it affects your sleep. You don't sleep well because of it. It grips you. You know that the Bible says that he will guard you even in your sleep. What's happening is the devil is robbing your sleep. Because God wants you to lean into Him and to trust Him. He wants you to take authority over your emotions, the things that push you out of the security of being aligned with God and into the security of trying to figure it out yourself, which just freaks you out. Anytime I do it, it freaks me out, so I know it does the same to you. So if you're in the room right now and you'd say, I'd struggle with fear. I'm always worried. Where's the money going to come from? Where's the solution? I'm anxious. I can't get settled. I don't sleep. Well, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. A lot of you, a lot of you. And There's some of you in the room that you're struggling with the choices that you make. You get into certain circles and you make bad decisions. You get pressed, and you make decisions out of anger, out of resistance, out of rebellion. You know when you're doing it, it's not God-honoring. You know when it's doing it, when you're doing it, it's probably going to come back and bite you, and you kind of take a little bit like, I don't care, whatever. And God wants to heal that. He wants you to lean into his strength when you feel out of control, when you feel uncomfortable. A lot of times when we move into rebellious acts and decisions like that, We're trying to grab control that isn't ours to hold. So if you're in the room right now, you're you're struggling with choices. You're struggling with always trying to be in control of everything. Lift your hand. Between you and God, just be honest between you and God. Again, a lot of hands going up. A lot of hands going up. And the last area, which is certainly not the least area, because it's actually the most important area. Some of you are sitting in the room right now and you haven't ever surrendered to Jesus. So the spiritual healing that you need so desperately has never come. You're you're like, you're even around church, son. Maybe you come with your parents. Maybe you get drugged along by a friend. And you're sitting in the room and usually what happens in moments like this is your heart's kind of pitter-pattering like, man, I don't want to, I, I just, I don't know what I think of all of this. But it kind of makes sense that God wants to love me but you're sitting in the room, you've never surrendered to him. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I understand that I sin and I make mistakes and I understand that you love me and you buy me back out of those mistakes. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand. see your hand. So listen, without wasting a lot of time, and this is a really important moment, Ministry team, come on up. Many of you raised your hands for a variety of different reasons. Maybe you raised your hands two or three times in the process, which incidentally is not the worst thing in the world. It just means you're being honest before God that you need help and that you want his help. You know, I'm going to share a story with you, and then I'm going to invite you all to worship and get some prayer. This was a, a lot of years ago. I was with a good friend of mine, and he, he said to me in the the middle of like kind of all of our, we were single, we were crazy, we were not always living for God, but trying to, and we were struggling and struggling with our our childhoods I mean just there was lots of layers like stuff from our parents stuff from our siblings stuff from our choices the way we thought I mean it was always like it felt like layers upon layers of the amount of brokenness that was in us and we would go to church and this was back when when water of life was a lot smaller Pastor Dan was preaching and and he would always do what we're doing right now he'd make an altar call and he would say man if you're there and you need this you should come up here and I remember after church me and my buddy went up and we said man We were talking to Pastor Dan. He goes, man, I feel terrible. I go to the altar every week. And I remember, I never will forget this. Pastor Dan laughed at him and said, you would feel worse if you didn't. That was so profound. He's like, I feel bad for going to the altar. He's like, you'd feel worse if you didn't come every week. Listen, this is a resource for y'all. Just a place to come and let somebody believe with you for the release of God. Listen, some of you need physical healing some of you need spiritual healing some of you need emotional healing some of you need mental healing some of you need healing in your will and your choices some of you need someone to believe for you that god would show up so as we go into this song right now get out of your seats i already know there will be more people than there are people to pray just come up if they're taken stand behind them and wait till your turn is up and we'll stay here till everybody gets prayer because I believe what I'm about to say right now, that God changes things in moments at an altar where you humble yourself and say, God, would you please do this thing supernaturally in me? Would you start the work? So why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together? And I just want you to, to... I'm gonna do something with you. If you're not comfortable doing it, you don't have to do it. Just with your eyes closed, heads bowed, just... This is really about not getting distracted. I want you to just put your hands open. Like if I were putting something in your hand, just put your hands open and say, God, I want what you want for me today. I want what you want for me today. I want you to listen. Just listen to me. For some of you, he's telling you how much he loves you. For some of you, he's telling you, stop it. You're doing some things that are hurting you. I want you to stop. For some of you, he's saying, I'm going to settle the whirlwind in your inner person. I'm going to help you be at peace. For some of you, he's saying, this is the day I'm going to heal you this time. I want you to hunger after me. I'm going to heal you this time. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Move on hearts and do great things here today. God, we don't come out of form. It's not why we're here. We come to worship you, to receive what you have for us. We declare you're good. Your mercies are good. Your kindness is good. Your love is good. Your correction is good. If you lifted your hand for anything, maybe you didn't lift it, you still want prayer, I want you to get out of the seats now and come on up and let these folks pray for you. Let them believe for God to move on your behalf right.
1: Without you Situation that ceases to exist is when you walk into the room The dead begin to rise Cause there is resurrection life In all you do Cause we love you And we'll never stop consume God all we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you.
0: Come on church. Lift up your voice. Come, so come and consume God all we are. We give you permission.
1: Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So come and consume God all we are mission our hearts are yours we want you
0: I just want to be respectful for some of you that maybe you need to sneak out if you do need to leave feel free to do so please do it quietly if you do need to leave otherwise I want to encourage you to stay in worship like there are times you stay in the presence of God and he really will do a work and a release on you so if you need to go God bless you if not stay and keep worshiping with us if you raised your hand you need prayer get on up here we want to pray for you this morning God bless you, have a great Sunday.